Welcome to another episode of Free Basketball coming off a fantastic game two between the Lakers and the Nuggets. We will get to that game and much more shortly. First, I need to bring in my co-host, one Mr. Daniel Greer. How are you doing after that game tonight? I'm good. Uh, Cowboys, yes. Amazing. Cowboys are doing great. A- <laughs> <laughs> I would not say uh, all basketball. is great in Cowboy land. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. basketball. Meh. Basketball's all right. I like I like the football. Well, welcome to the first episode Why of are you Free on this Football. Podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Cody, how are you doing tonight, sir? I know you are heavily invested in this game. How do you feel about it, being a Laker fan and all? I mean, I don't know that I'm a Laker fan, but. Okay. Yeah, it was All cool. Right. I liked it. I, I have predicted that the Lakers were going to win the win the title. So you're a fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. Bandwagon, bandwagon for now. Bandwagon. <laughs> a little true. Bandwagon since the beginning of the year, bro. <laughs> bro. Day one since day one. Well, we're going to talk more about this game and that series so far and what to look forward in it for the next couple games, if we'll get a lengthy series or not. We'll also talk about the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat series Mm. and also some other quick topics to end that I'm going to kind of leave as a surprise for the guys. So get prepared for this one. Hot take reactions after that 105-103 Lakers win. AD hit the game winner to crush the Denver Nuggets' hopes of stealing a game and making this 1-1. Cody, what's an immediate hot take that you had after this game? Chris Paul or Chris Weber actually made one good point at the end of the game <laughs> when he said that LeBron was the ultimate decoy on the last play. And I have a couple things to back up that statement. At one point, LeBron was quadruple teamed. So they were obviously very focused on LeBron. And they did not run the last play for LeBron, so the Nuggets were focused on LeBron. Yeah, well, what messed that up is, I mean, they did not switch. Plumlee and Jeremy Grant did not switch at all on that screen. So Plumley either was told he had to get through and he just didn't, or Grant was told he had to stay with LeBron rolling to the rim after a screen. But obviously that miscommunication, I mean, if it wasn't for Jokic just being, you know, the basketball savant that he is, noticing that AD's rolling off that wide open, that shot is like a layup for AD, right? Yep. I mean, he's just wide open. There is no one within six feet of him. So that was a really bad breakdown for the Nuggets right there at the end after a phenomenal comeback. Daniel, do you have an immediate hot take reaction to what happened in that game? Yeah. Um, there's two. One, the Lakers might not lose again ever. The best team in history. And two, Alex Caruso might be an actual NBA player. Ooh. You just now thinking that Alex Caruso might be an actual NBA player? Yeah, both statements are completely false. <laughs> I see what you did there. Set yourself <laughs> up. You're so clever, sir. <laughs> Knocked it out of the park. I mean, no, Caruso. I, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was gonna say. Yeah, I, Caruso has played a little bit better, um, and he's definitely good for this team because he does the things that most of the other players on this team do not want to do. So he's a, a hard good, hat guy. Yeah, he, he's a good hand for um, for LeBron because LeBron, he does everything, but there's a lot of these guys on this team that expect LeBron to do everything, and so they just kind of let him do it. And Alex Crusoe actually does some of the stuff, so props to him. I, I don't think he's a, a great NBA player, but I, he's definitely earning his keep in this series for sure. Some kind of interesting things from this game, I thought, was I thought the game was done with, you know, three or four minutes ago when the Nuggets started blowing free throws towards the end where it could have been tied, then they hit that crucial three. So instead of it being a three-point game, it's an eight-point game, right? 
But then the Nuggets oh, yep. claw back in because the Lakers did the same thing that the Nuggets did. Like, they just kind of got complacent, started taking bad shots, basically playing not to lose. I hate when teams do that. College, NBA, high school, you know, you're up and you're just trying to milk the clock, trying to just hold on. Usually yeah. when you do that, the team always gets back in it. And so that's what it kind of felt like the Lakers did which is kind of reminiscent of the Clippers series with the Nuggets, which we might talk a little bit more in depth. Um, that comparison overall in a second. But Jamal Murray did not have a great game tonight, even though he had 25 points. I mean, he shot 8 for 19 from the floor, 2 for 9 from 3. And the saving grace, I mean, the Nuggets are still not shooting the 3-ball very well. They're 8 for 24 tonight. They were probably even worse in Game 1. But their saving grace tonight is that they're aggressive going to the basket. I mean, they shot 14 more free throws than what the Lakers did. The Lakers yeah. shot 18 for 19 from free throws, which is insane that they're shooting 95% from the free throw line. But the Nuggets shot 25 for 33, which 75% is a good number for free throw shooting for a team. But in this kind of game, it just gets magnified right there at the end where you're like, I know it's unrealistic to expect a team to make every free throw that they shoot, but in those final few minutes, those five missed free throws loom very large in how the rest well, of this game goes, right? Well, yeah, and four of them belong to Chris Webber and Reggie Miller's MVP of the game, P.J. Dozier. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if they were saying that he was the MVP for the Lakers for missing those four free throws. But um, apparently he was a game changer. He was good on the defensive end, but they kept talking about on the offensive and defensive end. And I got like home in the middle of the fourth quarter and turned it on. And like I, I looked up his stats, thinking he had like twenty five points in like the third quarter or something. And I like looked it up, and he had three points and one assist. Yeah. <laughs> They were talking about him like, oh, this guy's got some game. Like yeah. he's like their and defensive he, well, he, best player. It's like what? He got what are you one. Talking about? He got one and one and made that free throw, and then didn't make a free throw for the rest of the night. Wow. Oh, it was like after he got that and one, they started. They were like talking about it. I was like, he's got to have a ton of points. So I looked it up, and I was like, oh, he's got three points. <laughs> and then after that, I was like, what are they? This guy must must have just come in the game or like he's great or something. And then he just like kept missing free throws. I was like, well, he can get to the line, but I don't know that this is what you're looking for. Well, I think the big problem is, is Gary Harris in the two games so far in the series has been awful. Like he has right. been yeah. virtually non-existent. I think he just posted back-to-back -back nights of like five or below points in a game and <laughs> shooting the ball terribly. I mean, talking about, the, he did about the same as P.J. Dozier. About the same, right? That's probably why they went with him down the stretch instead of going back with Gary Harris. But yeah, it's about the same production. Overall, in the first two games, obviously the Lakers dominated the Nuggets in game one. I mean, to lose by 12 by the Nuggets is actually deceiving for how that game actually went. Like, most of the game was a 30-point game, right? Like, the Lakers won 126 to 114, and it never really felt close at all. Like, it felt like a 30-point drubbing. But at the end of the game, it's 12-point game. So, after the first two games, I don't know if you guys agree with me on this, but the Nuggets look a little bit overmatched. I don't know if that's because the Lakers' two stars are just big, imposing players who just dominate and are very disciplined at what they do, but the Nuggets have also had in these first two games huge three-point shooting woes. And if they can't get that together, this is going to be a short series. Even though in this game they should have won and could have stolen it, the threes are still a problem. Imagine what the Nuggets could do if the threes are going in. Because yeah. in Let me – can I ask you a question about this three-point shooting? Sure. Could it be that the Lakers' length is something that they have not really run across so far in these playoffs, and that is why their three-point shooting is lower? It probably hmm. helps because they're actually closing out on the three-point shooters, mm -hmm. but they're still generally wide-open threes, right? I mean, in yeah. game one, 
Jeremy Grant, Gary Harris, and Michael Porter Jr. went three for 16 from three. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's not too many NBA teams who are going to be able to overcome that kind of shooting, even though if you've got a player like Jokic or Murray. So it makes sense why they were losing by 30, basically. Now, game two, they didn't shoot the ball much better, but we're still in it. I don't know. I don't know really how to feel about this series after that game from the Nuggets just now we watched tonight. Because I thought it was dead with eight down eight with a couple minutes to go, and the Lakers just basically stopped hitting things. It wasn't for Anthony well, Davis. The Lakers forgot. The Lakers forgot that Anthony Davis was on the team. It seemed like like LeBron <laughs> just kept trying to do things, and they just kept not working. Well, Daniel, and, off, you obviously had something that was pivotal in this game. That I think is a good point that we talked about earlier. What was that pivotal thing for you that we just saw in the fourth quarter that really kind of, I mean, I'll talk about it in a second. Let's. Uh, I want to see hear you bring it up. Yeah. So the um, the offensive rebounding from the Lakers end has been what I've seen and even watched towards the I guess the last ten, twelve seconds of the game. If they get that rebound, that offensive rebound, then the then the uh, Nuggets win that game. You hit two free throws, and you're pretty much uh, up by three, and you're going to have more than less. Uh, they have to make a three to tie it up. So even if that did, they go to overtime. But that just shows, just looking at some of the uh, rebounding from the Nuggets is so bad. And I don't know if that's Dwight Howard or if that's AD. But if you look at the the plus minus, and I hate coming back to this because I know it's uh, Cody's favorite stat, but Dwight Howard was a plus 10 in this game. And I know, what did he play, 13 minutes? Plus 10? That just means that he's um, just kind of creating and disrupting, and he only had two total rebounds and not even an offensive rebound. But it's just crazy how much that, uh, like, Davis had two, LeBron two, JaVale McGee three, Danny Green three. So that just shows that they're being very lazy on the defensive end, the Nuggets are, and allowing those easy, you know, I guess, extra possessions. And so I think that's why they're getting beat is because they're giving the Lakers a little bit more extra possessions. I agree. I thought that was a great point about the offensive rebounds because that's what I noticed too is that – there's just a handful of possessions sprinkled throughout the fourth where it's just like a back-breaking offensive rebound, right? right? right. Even if the Lakers yep. don't hit the shot, which a lot of them, I think, they just didn't finish. But, like, it's just back-breaking when you see it. And it's in game one, rebounding wasn't really a huge issue. And when you look at the numbers for tonight, they were only – out rebounded offensive rebound wise by I think six like 13 to seven which isn't horrendous I mean it's not good but like you said you just cannot have those kind of rebounds late in a pivotal in a pivotal playoff game like that especially when it's get gets magnified in the final few minutes right so the free throws and the rebounding just very simple things that are crucial to an NBA team you know, tying a series up or, you know, being down t- 2-0. Those yeah. are the little things that matter. So I'm not sure how we look going forward, but getting kind of back to a little bit of the shooting woes that the Nuggets are having, <clears throat> Daniel, I kind of want to ask you, do you kind of give Jeremy Grant a little bit of a pass in this series on his shooting if he shoots poorly? Because he has to specifically guard LeBron when he's in the game. And then when right. LeBron goes out, he's the guy in AD. So essentially every minute that Jeremy Grant is on the court, defensively he is guarding one of those two players. Do you give him a pass right. for that? Yeah, but he's only putting in 25 minutes. Um, like in this game, I don't know what the last game was, but 25 minutes on the floor and – this he only had four fouls, so yes, I understand that. Um, you want to give him a pass on that, but in the same sense, he only had four shots. He went three for four, one from one for a three point line. So, um, yes, I know he's probably dog tired, uh, but I think he needs to produce a little bit more 
Uh, maybe with some open shots, I think that would be the best, or even just being around the rim more. But um, he is definitely has to be dog tired after guarding two of the top five players in all the land. So uh, yeah, props to him. But twenty five minutes, I think he needs to be up to thirty mm. if he's going to be good defensively um, and actually help this team win. Now, Cody, I'm gonna flip to you here about a question about Nikola Jokic. Mm-hmm. Nikola Jokic is not only one of the best passing big men we have in the league, but one of the best passers in the league in general, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I think he had 12 points in like the final five minutes tonight. So, Cody, let me ask you. It seems like Jokic figures out defenses as the series goes along. And do you think if the Nuggets are able to keep this from going 3-0 and are able to make it 2-1, do you think this is going to go six or seven, or do you think the Lakers are just too good for them? I think it's going to be a gentleman sweep if the Nuggets win any. Wow. Okay. So even if the Nuggets win game three or game four, there's no more magic. Jokic seems to get better. Probably why they've come back in these 3-1 series, right? We've seen it. They start doubling him in the post. The Lakers have started doing that tonight, and he passes and hits the open guy if the shooting turns around with the Nuggets, are the Lakers going to keep bringing doubles to him? And he's just going to mm. keep finding people? Is that the gamble that they're going to make? Who? I don't know. I mean, the, the Lakers have a lot of length. Like, they're a pretty good defensive team. Yeah. So. Well, Daniel, is there an adjustment that the Nuggets can make, you think? That the Nuggets can make? Yeah. As in, like them being on offense or them being def- defense. Just in general, what would you oh, okay. do? What would you do to have you know instead of losing tonight on a game winner? Yeah. Maybe they just keep right. doing what they're doing, and they just got a bad luck with AD making a crazy three. Would you yeah. do anything? Any minor tweaks? Yeah. So I, the only thing I can think of, there's nothing that there's nobody that guards LeBron or AD realistically. The only thing I would suggest is uh, maybe running, making sure you're running with Jokic and Millsap, which they have been for the most part. Um, but being able to get the offensive rebounds or their defensive rebounds and keeping them off the offensive boards, I think you can do that by pushing out their big guys and making sure AD stays out in the post, even though he, he loves it out there. But I just think making sure you keep him out there clogging up the lanes, uh, such as how Milwaukee plays a little bit where they kind of slack off a tiny bit. But there's not much you can do because realistically, if LeBron wants to take over and he wants to get into the lane, he almost just will. And so I don't, it's so hard to guard him. So there's not much you can do, honestly. But on the offensive end for Denver, my suggestion was to keep the ball in uh, Jokic's hand more and kind of run the offense through him. And I think you saw that towards the end of the fourth quarter when he was taking over is the the offense was running more through him instead of the whole pick and roll, the pick and rolls up top of the key uh, with Jamal Murray and whoever's coming to set the screen. So uh, maybe they run into the post um, and through Jokic more of the offense and have more, um, I guess, set shots, set three-pointers. So I don't know. I, I hate it because there's not much you can do. And so I hate not having a realistic answer besides running your offense through Jokic. Yeah, like, that's I don't know I don't know what you do as a coach. Yeah, I, I just think they're outmatched. I feel like I mean Jokic. They said in the game he hit his first three tonight late in like two games, and I mean I feel like there's more they can do with him in the post. Maybe they don't feel like they get a lot of movement out of it. That's why he stays that, in the high that's post probably why. and yeah. keeping it spread. But if he's not going to hit shots, then you got to adjust somehow, and I agree with you on you've got to clog the paint on LeBron and AD. I think if you're going to lose this series from the Nuggets, I think I could live with losing to Danny Green, Rajon Rondo hitting threes, Markeith Morris hitting threes. I think I can live that way. I don't think if I lose this series 4-1 or 4-2, you know, like Cody's thinking, and I can say, look, AD and LeBron average 30, 30 and 12 each game. Yeah, they're the best in the world. What can you do? Like, 
I don't think I can live with that. <laughs> like, I would have to be, if I wanted to feel good about losing in this series, it would have to be because Rondo hit three threes on me. Or well, Alex Caruso hit a couple threes. Like, yeah. Danny Green at- Danny Green didn't go three for ten from three tonight. Like, he went six for ten. Like, I can live with that loss. Yeah. I can't live well, a- with an AD or LeBron dominating me. Well, and that's the thing is, LeBron's going three for eight on three pointers, two for four from Davis, um, and they're both getting in the twenties um, with their shots, and they're shooting almost fifty percent from the field, um, and that's what's killing you because honestly, they're allowing uh, Danny Green. He went three for ten on three pointers. Uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope three for five on three pointers, and then the rest of the team might have hit. They hit two combined, so. I don't know what you do with that because realistically the rest of the team is not shooting that well. So maybe you clog the paint is the only answer because 10 of 20 for LeBron. That's, that's tough. And he's only shooting eight, three pointers. Yeah. 23 shots, 11 of 23 for AD. And he went two for four and three pointer. Maybe just push him out and get him, uh, maybe find out where he likes is kind of like the, I guess the middle right outside the post, uh, on the kind of the baseline. That's where he likes to be on his two-point shot. So maybe get him out of that area and kind of push him up a little bit higher. I don't know. Yeah. But – I mean, but, eight, 10 of 80's points tonight came in the final five minutes. Like, like that's I mean, true, yeah. that's like almost half his points already. But right. I, I, it kind of leads me to this point about comparing the Lakers and Clippers. Like, to me, the biggest difference between the Nuggets versus the Clippers versus the Nuggets is the Lakers is the Lakers are just a more disciplined – like, their stars are more disciplined to me than Kawhi and Paul George. Now, I know that they're overall better, but, I mean, you might have a debate about Kawhi and AD, but, I mean, overall, the Lakers are more disciplined to me. Like, I thought attacking the basket would be an issue for the Clippers, and it ended up being that. Like, Kawhi is really good, but he doesn't just generate those easy driving looks. You know, he just doesn't overpower people right. going to the lane. LeBron can do that. AD can do that. The AD, anything he shoots is unblockable. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Cody, do you think <laughs> do you think that the Lakers, after this kind of emotional, devastating hit here by the Nuggets, do you think the Lakers are going to sweep? Or you think yes. for sure, gentlemen? <clears throat> I think it's over. You think it is a 4-0, it's done. Yeah, I think it's done. I think tonight, like, I just think the Nuggets getting that close and Anthony Davis just <clears throat> being like, no. I just think that's just that. I don't think they're going to recover from that. I think it's going to be 4-0 sweep. Well, I, I couldn't disagree more. Really? That's okay. fine. Yep. Well, we get the next yep. game on Tuesday. Let's talk right. about the next series that is 2-1 right now, the Celtics and the Heat. They do not play again, I don't think, till Wednesday to kind of match up the schedules correctly. Heat are up 2-1 on the Celtics. Celtics had a kind of a, felt like a blowout win, but the Heat kind of threatened late. But the Celtics luckily pushed it into a larger margin at the end. But, Daniel, do you feel like this could very easily be a 3-0 Celtics series lead? Yes. And I think they're kicking themselves because it's not. Because they've had so, large leads in every game so far, double-digit, 15 to 20-point leads in every right. game and have choked them either in the third quarter or late in the fourth. I think for game one, yeah. they choked up a 15-point lead in the fourth, and game two, they were up by 15 or 18 in the third, and the Heat had like a 40, like a 33 to 13 quarter. So yeah. – I mean, you I, you think this should be three zero for the Celtics? It it should be, and I know they're probably hating it. But if you saw, so obviously after Game Two, there was some um, some words said. I think it was Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, right. and I think that's kind of going to be what helps this team. And I know they're both, you know, I, I guess Marcus Smart's more rough around the edges and kind of speaks his mind. But so does Jalen Brown. He's very much outspoken. So. I think that you saw a different and more aggressive Celtics team in that game three than you had in the other two because I think they kind of did what they what 
Miami wanted them to do. They kind of played how they you know felt like they should. But in game three, they just took over and just said, "We're gonna just you know we're gonna make stuff happen." And I think you saw um, any balls that were just kind of out there floating around or rebounds that were just kind of bouncing around. I think you saw a Boston player grab that ball. Hmm. Yeah, they seem to be winning the fifty-fifty balls. Correct. Like, and that was kind of a swing in the game, at least late when the Heat were making a charge. Now, Cody, the Heat have been using a lot of two-three zone in this series more than I've seen an NBA play, NBA team do, not only in regular season but in a playoff, especially the Eastern Conference Finals. Why do you think the zone has been so effective so far for the Heat? Well, you know, the Jim Beheim two-three zone is just <laughs> a very effective thing, and you know, people. I think Spolster's really just becoming a believer in that. Um, <laughs> Beheim probably not sure about the uh, upcoming college basketball season. Might have uh, consulted a little bit with the Heat. I don't know. Uh, but I think that might be the reason that you're seeing a little bit of this 2-3 zone is there's that, that Beheim uh, influence there where people are just, we got to be like Syracuse. It is kind of weird, right, that like usually – for NBA players, it also takes away the the driving stuff that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum do really well, well and Kemba Walker. Right. So Jalen Brown actually made it a point to actually drive in Game Three and not settle for that corner three in Games One and Two, mm-hmm. which I think helped get the Heat back in because the Celtics settled for those open shots, well, semi-open shots, anyways. I thought it was kind of weird that. The Heat forced the Celtics to be jump shooters. And usually for NBA teams, as they play a zone, it's just like green light. Oh, thank goodness you're playing zone. Here's my wide open shots. Right. Here's my layups. But it was kind of odd to me to see that the Celtics maybe don't have a lot of good set shooters. Um, mm. A lot. They really Like don't. when they're playing against man-to-man, a lot of their action is a lot of moving and uh, not like – one-on-one action you know it's a lot of moving and cutting curls off posts or you know high screen Mm -hmm. and back rolls and back screens and all that kind of stuff so it really turned the celtics into a one-on-one basketball team it turned the celtics into a one-on-one basketball team like it was too much iso ball for me from kimba and tatum when the lead was slipping in games one and two and it still happened in game three now, Daniel, I know Tatum has been putting up stats, but can you kind of put some of these letdowns that they have on him? Or do you think it's just an anomaly because they're just a young team, Eastern Conference Finals, kind of learning as you go? Um, I wouldn't put it all on Tatum. Um, I think he's definitely stepped up and kind of shown out, um, I guess, big time this season. And he's kind of taking the next step. So I don't, I don't because I think they're all young and they're all still learning. And even Kimball Walker's never been here and he's a vet. So I think they're all kind of learning. And I think they're seeing that if they don't play their best and young guys, this happens to a lot. If you don't play your best, you're not going to beat these elite teams or really good teams this far as in, in the uh, Eastern conference finals. So, I think that kind of was a slap in the face these first couple of games. So I don't think it's necessarily on Tatum as much because he's still putting up 20-plus a game as well as everybody else. This team is so deep. Last game, Tatum 25, Walker 21, Smart 20, Brown 26. Uh, you have Hayward come back, played 31 minutes. He's not going to go back and watch and, uh, when his kid is born. He's not going to go back. I saw that. Like, that is huge that, for the Celtics, yeah. That's Huge for the Celtics, and uh, you know what? Kudos to his wife. If she's going to let that happen, then, um, you know. What a gracious I, woman. Uh, yeah, yeah. She's very nice because mine would definitely not do that. Yeah. So, no, she deserves um, a uh, like a girl's vacation trip on Hayward's dime <laughs> while he watches the kids. She deserves a she deserves a championship ring if they win anything. <laughs> well, I think this is very, Her own this ring. Is very important. Yeah, and the yeah. baby, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Show me the baby. <laughs> no, you make it. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish that. No, I was going to say, that's just very important for, obviously, after being hurt, I think the importance of this series is kind of uh, growing. And I think he sees 
that he really needs to kind of step up for them. If not, they might be bounced and he'll be home no matter what, spending a lot of time with his kiddos. <laughs> I, I That's why I wanted to ask because Tatum did in game three put up a 25 and 14 with eight assists, right? Like statistically right. looks great. But when it gets kind of tight and the Celtics have really nothing to turn to, Tatum can is starting to get like, okay, it's on me. I got to do this. Right. I got to bail us out. And I just don't think that's going to win in this series. And I don't like yeah. it when he does it. So I'm kind of fearful, even though he has, quote unquote, the highest plus minus in game three. To me, game three was all about Jalen Brown. If yeah. J- Why do you guys talk about plus minus so much? <laughs> because it's, it's your baby. Stat, we man. know you love it. Uh, yeah. Stop it. Jalen Brown was awesome in game three. 26 points, seven rebounds, five assists. Not as gaudy as Jason Tatum's numbers, but his effort on defense, he shut Duncan Robinson down until Robinson started to get loose a little bit at the end. But he shut him down, played great team defense, brought the energy that was needed. And to me, game three is the Jalen Brown game for me. Like, he's the guy in that game. Tatum has the flashy stats, but I felt like a lot of the, like, a couple of the shots he got were off of fast break dunks because of the work on defense Jalen Brown did. So I thought that was a huge game for Jalen Brown. Cody looking forward to game four. Do the Heat have a big reply here to kind of seal this at a 3-1, or do you think the Celtics are going to even this up at 2-2? I mean, I think the Celtics will probably even it up because they're a couple plays away from the series being 3-0 Celtics. Right. I mean, you're a couple plays away from the series being 3-0 Heat, too. Like, this is really, like, this whole series is just a 50-50 pick on. Like, there's no... I mean, Goran Dragic in Game 3... To me, there's no clear-cut team that is that much better. Dragic in this game was terrible. He was 2 for 10 from the free, the floor. Jay Crowder was no better. Jay Crowder was 2 right. for 10 from 3. So, those guys combined to go 3 for 15 from 3, and that just didn't happen in Game 1 or 2. So if they kept now, of course they got a little bit of Tyler Hero action where they thought he was good, but I felt like towards the end Spolstra went with him too long, and he ended up going four for twelve from three. Like he had some cool, you know, fun, like shooting off a fast break moment, and you know, was like an interesting guy driving to the rim. But when that game started to get a little tight, when it was like five to seven points. I thought that was the right time. I think it was like with four minutes left or something like that. That was the right time to me to bring back Dragic, and he just did. Yeah. And well, what? So, what do you think the the reason that uh, Dragic was so bad? Like, and I know this. I hate keep doing this, but I you swear to God, minus twenty nine. <laughs> How is that possible? Well, there was an adjustment right in defensive assignments. Marcus Smart started on Dragic instead of Kemba. And Kimba guarded right, but, Jay Crowder. Gotcha. Okay, but I I didn't know that. I was look. I was just like, oh, I'll just look over here at him, and I saw Boston's pretty much all their starters are plus whatever, which is you know cool. And then there's negative, pretty much all of the Heat starters for the most part. Right. But negative twenty nine on twenty eight minutes is just mind blowing that he was that bad, and it's only five turnovers, but. Yeah, there's no way that he was <laughs> he was any good this game. <laughs> he was bad. Um, but I still go with just, him late. That's the thing. Like, I go with my man. veteran yeah. late instead of a rookie who thinks he's hot, who, which he wasn't. Yeah. But he also he also came through in, like, the game before and the game before that with big shots. Right. But it was just in like he was in moments, not for whole yeah. stretches. So he's there right. for like a, you know, kind of a wild card moment. But right. for Hero to play the final eight minutes of that quarter when, you know, they're trying to fight to get back in this, I was kind of yeah. shocked by that. I really was. I thought that was kind of the mistake. Um, now, like we said, they weren't playing well overall. I mean, besides Hero, who has 22 points, but really does not have a great game, let's be honest. 
Yeah. Bam Adebayo on the opposite had a phenomenal game, and it will just kind of be lost. He only had five more points than Tyler Hero. How did Tyler Hero have a bad game? He shot four for twelve from three. Like, come on, like eight for eighteen, four for twelve. Like, cool. Like those are empty stats. Like they just are. Bam Adebayo twenty-seven points and sixteen rebounds. <laughs> like the dude was a yeah. monster. And two blocks, three steals. Like, what else do you want this guy to do? I kind of thought maybe the strategy... May, I'm going to ask your opinions on this. To me, the strategy for the Celtics would be... I want Adebayo to be very involved in scoring in the offense, right? I think yeah. the more that Adebayo scores, the better it is for the Celtics. So, I'll Correct. let Bam go for 40 which he's not going to. He's just not that kind of player yet. But right. if he goes for 40, then I feel like I've shut everyone else down. Yep. So is that kind of the strategy line of thinking that we should be thinking that the Celtics are going to actively try to do? Or was it just really an outlier kind of game because Crowder and Drogic were so bad from the floor? What do you think, Danny? Yeah, so uh, the the previous game he went 21-10. and 10. Um, and uh, I'll just double check the game before that uh, because I don't. What was this plus minus? Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I have to click another button. You tell us. Um, eight, 18 and six uh, with nine assists. So um, just by looking at just the stats in general and what I saw, yes, you slow down the game with going through Bam, but I don't think it was about that. I think it was about Crowder not being that great, Drogic being horrible. And I think more or less it's just the uh, Boston just picking up on the defense more is what it comes down to. And so hmm. uh, realistically, I, I think that everybody gets back to normal because usually everything kind of just settles in, even though you might have a bad game here or there. Um, you're going to get a little bit more out of uh, Gordon Hayward. And I think you're going to get a little bit more out of uh, Drogic and Jake Crowder this next game. And I think you're going to see a better overall game. But I think Boston grabs this next game as well. Um, and I think they're learning to leave Bam and let Bam do whatever he wants and not worry about a mismatch and just kind of take it as, you know, Daniel Tice, it, you know, does what he can. And I don't know why they're playing Grant Williams. Aren't they playing Grant Williams more than they're playing? Um, yeah, they're not even playing Robert Williams anymore, which doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah, I, th- I think Time whatever. Lord played. Fell out in about twenty-seven. Seconds. I think Time Lord played in game one, and then game two they switched to Cantor, and it was Cantor. Right. Time Lord is Grant Williams. No, no Time, Time Lord, Lord is, is Robert, Robert Williams. Williams. Grant Williams is the you know oddly shaped six-six forward. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but I'm just not. I, I don't like that matchup with Grant Williams, and, th- and that's why I don't understand why they keep going with him. Yeah. You, you make a good so, point. That's just me I don't personally. know why they're not playing Taco Fall. Start the game. Jump balls? <laughs> what? I do have to say that if Bam has low assist numbers, I feel good about the Celtics. If he's getting the assists, I think the Celtics lose because that means obviously everyone else is getting involved in the offense. So that is the right. kind of number to me that we should monitor going forward. Hey, at half, how many assists does Bam have? Does he have five or six? Oh, crap. <laughs> you know, does he have right. one assist to have? Okay, we'll feel all right about this. And I think you can very directly look at the games in this series, win or loss, and look specifically at Abayo's assist numbers and can kind of know if the Celtics or the Heat won based on that number. Uh but wow. I do want to say that uh, Kelly Olenek, my wild card in this series, is shooting a blistering three for 15 in his 36 minutes of play. I mean, he has been absolutely garbage. So, Tony is going to have a moment. It's going to be weird. But I think hmm. he went 0 for 5 in game three. So, oh, well. Um, any other yeah, final? It's going to be so weird. <laughs> it's going to be so weird for him because he's not going to realize <laughs> what's happening. <laughs> Any final thoughts? Be like, we're playing basketball on this series. <laughs> Do we still good about our predictions of the Celtics winning the series? I feel good about that. Yeah. Yep. I do. Still six and seven. Six. Yep. Mm-hmm. Celtics six. <laughs> Celtics six. Okay. Now the final thing bothered me for the past 
I don't know, a week or two now, now I've thought about it more, and we've had some top players lose and get knocked out relatively early for what we expected them to be, but it's the whole rinks culture that the average NBA fan has now towards players. Like, basically, if you're not winning a ring, or if you lose early in the in the playoffs, you're just hot garbage now. We've seen it to Giannis. We've seen it with James Harden. Now we're seeing it with Kawhi and Paul George and with Russell Westbrook. I mean, is all of this warranted because they just can't get there to win? I mean, Kawhi obviously has a ring. Right. Harden, Russ, PG don't have I, one. Giannis don't, doesn't have one. I mean, if the Celtics lose in this, are people going to start saying this about Jason Tatum? I mean, this is starting to really bother me because it's affecting how people view these NBA players. Well, it's it's okay to view them differently, you know, in different ways based on like what you've seen. Like James Harden has not played well in the playoffs. I mean, he's played well in the playoffs. Like he's a Chris Paul injury short of probably a title a couple of years ago. Um, but like, I mean, he's shown over and over again, like melting down in the playoffs. I don't think this year is necessarily a reflection of James Harden, uh, Russell Westbrook, kind of the same thing. Like hadn't been out of the first round since Kevin Durant played there (laughs) or played in Oklahoma city with him till this year. Um, not known as like a playoff, you know, guy that's very effective in the playoffs. Um, Paul George, kind of the same thing. Like he's had some playoff success, but never really anything. Like Kawhi Leonard, I don't think I like am going to pass any judgment on Kawhi Leonard for losing to the Nuggets because he was the Finals MVP a year ago and like has been pretty good and was was easily the best player on the Clippers. So I don't know. I kind of give him a, a pass for that. He's got to like have like a really like meltdown game or something like that before i feel that way about him but i just feel i don't know i think that so we, we i think give... that some of those guys deserve that for just like if you if you like Giannis, i think you know injuries and stuff like is really what happened to him like they lost a couple games to the heat then he got injured same thing just happened to the celtics but the celtics won game three kind of like what the bucks did but then Giannis was hurt so and then play we the rest give of the series. So he's we like, give a pass injury. to guys that have won championships, but don't give a pass to guys who haven't won, right? Is that what we do now? I'm not, I mean, I mean, kind of, but I'm not giving a pass to Kawhi because he won a championship. I'm giving it to him because I watched those games and he was clearly the best player on the team. There was just not anyone else that was capable of or interested in helping him a lot of the time. Do you think, Danny, that it's fair to start viewing these players from this lens? I mean, it's fair a little bit, right? Like, if just like we have eight years of Harden to say that, look, maybe this style doesn't work. But is it fair to view that kind of player as he can never get it done, especially when his career's not even over and he's in the middle of his prime? Yeah, so... I, I think it's unfair overall if you had to just kind of paint a broad brush. I think overall it's a bad take. Um, if you're looking at it one by one, uh, James Harden, I I think you look at the style of play. I don't think you look at the player in general as much, but you look at his style of play doesn't play well in the playoffs. That that That's totally different than, than – than talking about Giannis or Paul George or even Kawhi or Jason Tatum. I, I think that's completely different, and I think he's an anomaly because he is not – it's not that he's not that great. He's obviously had his bad issues and bad games, but I think the style of play in the all-offense, no defense is the issue. Um, and so I think that's – he's different. But realistically, Giannis, he just in the last two years – got good like, as an outside shooter. And so just because he's now just really tall, really long, can now shoot, plays good defensively, and does all these great things, and now he's the back-to-back MVP because we've never seen a player kind of like this where he can just kind of do everything, and he's everywhere. I, I think people are kind of on that 
take is bad because he's still younger than Jordan was when Jordan won his first ring. Right. And so who knows how long this guy could play, even though Jordan obviously just skyrocketed once he got to that level where he won that first ring. He kind of just took off from there. But um, maybe that's what Giannis does too. So to people that are under, I'd say under 26, I think you kind of give a pass to. But once they get into their prime to where it's 27 to 33, I think those are the most important years. And at that point, if they haven't figured it out, then I think it could be sometimes fair if they're always coming up short and not playing good games. But if they're playing good games and coming up short, then you have to look and see who's the other team that they're playing against. And if it's a LeBron team, dude's one of the best players ever. So, I I don't know. It's a hard take, and I think it is garbage that people do judge only on championships now because, as Chuck said, he never won a championship, and he's damn good. Right. Yeah, and like Tim – also, to me, it's an unfixable problem that the NBA has, right? Because right. you want fan involvement. And if fan involvement is going to just be bashing players over and over and media members are the biggest culprit of this, Kevin Durant left the Thunder for the Warriors because of media pressure, right? Now, he can claim right. that it was because he just wanted to play better basketball. He wanted a different style. He wanted a more pure thing. He went to the Warriors because he wanted to win a ring. So he could get media yeah. and regular people. I mean, the dude had burner accounts just to talk right. trash to him without them knowing it he was him. He still has them. He still has them. He, he doesn't does even hide them anymore. But He said that the other day. This is the problem the NBA have, right? Because – to me, it's in the NBA's best interest for Giannis to stay in Milwaukee and build it there for that market instead of the pressure from the outside from us fans and media. He has to worry about his legacy being, did he have a ring or not? Maybe he joins yeah. the Warriors in some sort of trade that they do to try to chase that ring. Yeah. I mean, Chris Paul, Chris Paul is in the twilight of his career. He had an incredible season. He's got to be thinking, I have to go to a team that's really good, that has champions aspiration, because that's how people are going to remember me. Like people that's are, what LeBron did. I mean, <laughs> KD did it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. are those players, are, are those yes, players just smart enough because they did that hopping? Or is the NBA oh, in, better? Uh, is the NBA better when – a homegrown star, quote unquote, stays there and tries to build it from the bottom up. I I don't know if it's I don't know if it's any better. I don't know if that's it's different. Yeah, I don't know if it's better. Yeah, because I mean it's more fun because you feel like you root for a collection of players instead of just rooting for laundry. If you have a team, if you have a team like now in the NBA, you really just vote for the jersey. You really just root for the jersey. But like, I mean, like, otherwise you're a fan of players and you just follow them to whatever team they go to. Right. That's what I'm saying. But like with the Clippers, together, how are you a diehard Clippers fan for the next two yeah. years? Like, right. okay, I'm going to be a Clippers fan for two years and then I know they're probably going to leave if they don't win. They probably leave but that's even the other, if they but do that's win. that's the other thing. Like, what is the fun in being rooting for that team? But you're is not. It, you're just it, rooting for just, players. Like, that's the difference in fans now. Like, when, like, when we were growing up, like, our parents, and, like, I mean, we're even like this to some degree. Like, our parents, like, had teams that, like, they just rooted for that team. That was their team. The players were on it that were on it, and they root for them. But, like, now, I mean, like, even with me, like, I was a Lakers fan, but, like, I really wasn't a Lakers fan. I was a Kobe Bryant fan, so I liked the Lakers until he retired, and then I immediately basically became a Grizzlies fan. I started going to Grizzlies games and, like, following the team really closely. So, like, I don't know. I just feel like it's different the way that people view sports and teams and, like, the players don't have as much allegiance to the teams, but neither do the fans. The fans have allegiance to the players because, you know, it's a very player-friendly league. And I don't know. I just feel like it's very obvious that player people are – more loyal to players than they are to the teams, if that makes sense. I, I'm kind of 50-50 on that. I'm with you on some of that and also not because I think it is still very embedded to root for, like, your team. 
and you want the best for your yeah squad, when your pre- so. when your players are on that team. But as soon as they go to a different team, if you're if you're a KD fan, like are you still a Thunder fan? I'm not. I'm See? not a fan of anybody except the, the no, Grizz now. No, I know, but you, you, but you were a, but you were a Kevin Durant but Thunder fan until he left. That's a good example. Left. When he left the Thunder, I stopped being a fan of both. Right. Yeah, but you're not everybody. You just were a. You just became an NBA NBA agno- like agnostic, like team agnostic <laughs> person. But it's just like, like for you example, became an NBA theist and and. Instead of having a team, you just didn't have anybody. But like most people would just be like, "Well, Kevin Durant plays for the Warriors. I love the Dubs." Like that's how <laughs> most people are. Like if Steph Curry just decided he wanted to play in New York tomorrow, all those kids with those Warriors Curry jerseys, they wouldn't give a f- they wouldn't give a f- if you played for the Warriors or if you played for the Knicks. <laughs> They'd want the Knicks jersey that said Curry on it because it's the one that says Curry on it now, and they love Steph Curry. You make a good it's point. Just, it's a, it's the same reason that people that are fans of LeBron have Cavs, Heat, and Lakers gear. Mm. You make a good point. But is that loss of loyalty, Does it, it doesn't hurt the NBA at all? I mean, I think it does a little bit, but I don't think it like necessarily hurts it that bad because when those players are on TV, it's a star-driven league anyway. Right. I agree. So when those players are on TV, that's what people are turning the TV on for. No one's turning the TV on when the Mavericks are playing and Luka Doncic and Porzingis aren't there. Uh, so like, would you, do you think it would be smarter for the next generation of NBA talent coming in, especially the top talent, to they get to their rookie salary, they go to the team with the best chance for the championship, and they flip every year? Just one-year deals for their whole entire twelve-year career. I don't think or that would be no, better. Why would that like, make sense? But to my point, like, well, people, I'm just saying, like, if it doesn't matter what team they play for, game, and all it's anyone, about is championship rings, wouldn't that be smarter true. for their legacy? No, I'm asking. Think of, like also think about this though. Like to my, it's like to the point I'm making. Like anyone will turn on a like a Rockets Lakers game or like the Celtics and the Heat. There's like players that people recognize on those teams. Not a single per like. The New York Knicks are a historic franchise, and even people that are fans of the Knicks didn't care about watching them this year because they just didn't have a good product to put on the floor. Like, that's what people want to watch. So, yeah, they're still Knicks fans. Like, people didn't quit being fans of the Knicks, but I guarantee you it was way more fun to be a Knicks fan when, I don't know, Walt Frazier played there than it is now. (laughs) Charles Ewing. (laughs) Yeah, Patrick Ewing. Like, it was probably way more fun to be – I mean – that's a bad example because I can't really think of anybody that just flip flop teams a lot after playing for the Knicks other than Carmelo, but they were kind of done with him. He was kind of he wasn't necessarily washed, but he's pretty bad at that point. I don't know. I just like my point is that stars put eyeballs on TVs and in stands, and if it was a team full of role players, then nobody would want to go and watch. So, so if loyalty so... if loyalty is dead. Is it our fault that it's dead because we've pushed this why championship or butt mentality or bust it's mentality? Twitter's fault. No, why is it dead? Why do you think it's dead? Because if you look at loyalty, for, dead. Yeah, where did this come yes. from? Why are you having loyalty. this funeral procession for fandom? Yeah, I don't think loyalty <laughs> is dead. Is if this you, the all-purpose podcast? <laughs> no, I'm talking about <laughs> I'm talking about rings culture. It has no, affected players chasing rings. I think. I don't think those things. I don't think you you can have like rings culture, but like yeah. you can. Still you can have there's fandom. also degrees of just understanding basketball. Like I know that James Harden is an incredible basketball player. I don't necessarily think the style of play that the Rockets play is going to like win. And I also have seen him have meltdowns right. in the playoffs and lose. So I don't think he's a great guy in the playoffs. I think he's incredible in the regular season, but I think down the stretch when it's crunch time, he can't play defense very well, and he doesn't. He, his teams don't win because so, no, I don't play. think James Harden is very is very good in the playoffs. But like the playoffs in the regular season are a lot different too. So when you're talking about like rings culture, like you're talking about how people play for like eight weeks out of the season. Yeah, like the regular season tells a whole different story too. Like there and there are varying degrees of success in the playoffs. Like getting the Western Conference Finals is hard. Like the Nuggets, like it's good that they're in the Western Conference Finals. Like I've talked about on this podcast how the Celtics have great experience from making it to the Western conference finals, like a couple of years ago or Eastern conference finals a couple of years ago when they were like going, when Jason Tatum like dunked over LeBron, it was awesome. 
um like i've talked about that experience and stuff like that so like there's like people like us that watch basketball and like care about it and like the history of it and you know just like to watch games regardless of like what fans we are of what teams like i feel like there's a degree of like casual fans that think about rings and stuff like that and then there's like people that are actual fans of basketball i think actual fans of basketball understand the difference in the delineation but if you're talking about skip bayless and Stephen a smith then like they have to say stuff like that yeah. to get people to pay attention exactly. to them because but it because shapes the legacy of these players jump off the screen at 10 a.m but it does shape the legacy of these players no okay so I, th- I think you're combining two different things into one because um if you look in just for memphis example there's a lot of people that are devout Memphis Grizzly fans through and through, no matter who plays on this team. And we are even fans of people that lead this team. So if you, for example, Conley and Gasol, whatever. I know we're different here in Memphis. If you can look at those other teams as well. And a lot of those small market teams love their team. A lot of people love their certain players and will follow them, such as Kobe Bryant, no matter where he went. If he'd have been a Nick uh, Warrior if he'd have been a I'd heat. have been first in line exactly. for the, that just, that orange and blue jersey. Just like just like people <laughs> were big uh, KD or LeBron wherever he went, they're going to be big fans of that. The only people that are getting ring shamed are maybe maybe top 20 players in the NBA. Because there's nobody else that really are held up those standards because it would be yeah. impossible to hold up that many people to a standard because there's only one team that wins a championship a year. And most of the time it has LeBron James on it. So yeah. there's no way you can do that. It either has Steph Curry, or LeBron, Katie on, on one of those Durant. teams. Yeah. yeah. It's, so it's ridiculous. I, there's I only disagree. a few guys that get the opportunity. Yeah. So and, like, yeah. And I agree with you too on like, just the all, like all that stuff, just the fact that like, not everyone is held to that standard. Like nobody's talking about De'Aaron Fox can't get it done. Or Jimmy or, Butler, even him. Yeah. Nobody's saying like you know P- you know who really lets his team down in the playoffs is PJ Tucker. Yeah, he really he never gets it done in the playoffs. That PJ Tucker, he guards Anthony Davis and he just can't he just couldn't stop him. I can't believe PJ Tucker let the Rockets <laughs> down like that. Nobody ever says that. You will never hear Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless talk about that because it's not fun. Right? Because it's not true. You know, but what? if you can say. Well, you know, James Harden didn't do everything he could have last night. While you're looking at a stat line of 38, 9, and 9. Like, and you, you can still say that about him because he's the best player on the team. And that's like part of what comes with getting the big bucks and being the max guy. Like, you, it kind of lays at your feet. Yep. So, if yeah, you were so. a star player in the NBA, would you receiving this kind of hate about not being able to do it? Would you take it as a compliment? From, because yeah, from because what you're, you're saying is to you're one paid. of the top players. I mean, yeah, because you're eligible for like $250 million contracts. Like, yeah, I would be okay with it. And that means you've gotten that far to make yourself relevant yeah. enough to be able to put yourself in position to win a championship. So It's on a contract for a quarter of a billion dollars. With a B. That one's got a B on it. So the, Chris Paul like, is making his money. And is not yeah. going to care what people think about him after he retires. I think he'll. That's, I think see, he'll care what people think about him. If, but if he that's does what not you sign win up a ring, when, yeah, yeah, I think he'll care what people think about him. But that's what you sign up for when you like. Charles Barkley doesn't have a ring, and people think about Charles Barkley that way. Like right. greatest players exactly. without a ring, like Chris Paul, go on that. He's list. also on TV. Like that's no, I know that, but it but I'm just matter. saying, like, but. But people, there are Patrick Ewing never won a ring. Carl Malone, like John Stockton, like I mean, I can sit here and Steve I can Nash. keep listing great. Yeah, Steve Nash, yeah. Amari Stoudemire, Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony never won a ring. Like great player, like Chris Paul, same thing. Like I, there's plenty of guys who never won a ring, and there's a lot of guys who just won it late in their career as a role player. So I mean, like, and that's not the same as winning the ring when you're the man. No, it's not. It's yeah. not. But that's but that's what I'm saying. Like. Jason Kidd never won never won a championship with the Nets. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just So screw you, Ryan. Yeah, I'm not saying <laughs> screw you. I'm just saying I'm just saying like I think you can you can go like extreme either way on that. Like, yeah, rings culture is bad, but like also like if you're the if you're getting talked about as a person who like this person can't be the best guy on a team, like 
if they're saying that about you, someone thought enough of you to give you the contract and pay you like a person who is that guy on a team because someone's saying that you can't be that guy because you were expected to be. Mm. So for me, I think that's a good thing. It's a compliment to how good you are as a player because that means that people who get paid a lot of money to think for NBA teams and hire people, sign players and stuff like that, thought, hey, this guy might get it done for us. So when you see that kind of stuff being said as actual, you know, probably more than just basketball fans like we are, it just kind of rolls off, doesn't bother yeah, you at pay all. attention to it. Doesn't no. annoy you at all. No. Doesn't bother you at all. It, it, no. I think it's annoying. I'm not but... going to let Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless rent space in my mind. Yeah. I, well, the thing is, there, there's only so many people that are saying that about. And I think two of them are Harden and Giannis, and that's it. That's it. Skip Bayless has an axe to grind with LeBron. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody I else. I understand that. I don't think there's anybody else that they actually talk about like that, that about the ring stuff. So I, I disagree well, that it's each even fan out there. Bases, each team fan bases have those kind of things, right? The Grizzlies did it with Dylan. I mean, the Toronto Raptors – to, Toronto, like, they just killed the player. Like, he's trash, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the Toronto Raptors had, like, a GoFundMe to send Siakam back. Like, the most terrible thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Like, why would he stay there? He just delivered them a championship. I don't think that's ring shaming. I think that's just frustration from that's fans. Just, I that's think just that's, like, hey, that's, we that's lost. This sucks. Like, be better. I mean, like, you get but booed. So if you ex- suck, you get booed. It's like so that's extreme. part of playing sports. Like, yeah. Do you, but do you want to have? Okay, cool. We'll just go. Yeah, no. The Siakam thing is shitty. But yeah, like, that, that does suck. But like <laughs> saying that, like you know, you suck when you suck is not that bad. Like yeah, I mean, don't don't play. Yeah, don't play a public play games at your local LA Fitness and just get made fun of by six people. Don't play them on national yeah. TV. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that's kind of you sign up, you get paid. Like, that's, you know, you put yourself out in the public like yeah. that. Like, you kind of know what you're getting. Like, I don't think people should be, like, terrible and, like, you know, hateful to players. But, like, if you're just commenting on how someone plays and you and you say, yeah, Jason Tatum kind of played a bad game tonight. He sucked. He sucked tonight. <laughs> he was terrible. I don't think that, like, we Jason Tatum needs to have his ears covered and we need to, like, shield him from things like that because it's bad i but, just think you know call him like you see him don't be a dick yeah <laughs> but as a player he's thinking that times a hundred either way he already knows yeah, that like he sucks if, but yeah now, if, does you it, met, if you have a bad game like you're gonna review the film right. with like with like 12 other people <laughs> plus plus some that understand basketball just as well or better than you do yeah and and you're one of the top like 400 probably you know, 400 basketball minds that are their that's bodies can keep up with what their mind thinks to do on the court. Yeah. So screw you, Ryan. Yeah. I thought it was a Bad good take. conversation. You're welcome. I thought it was a good conversation. Rink's culture is definitely horrible, a Rink's culture is definitely yeah. a thing, and it is a problem, even if you don't believe it. Well, most common signing yeah. off. Most common fans, it's an issue. Your garbage tech brought us together. Yeah. You're welcome. That's yeah. why we are here to <laughs> explain to the people. So you're welcome, mm-hmm. basketball community. Absolutely. This has been Hot Calzone as opposed <laughs> to Cold Pizza <laughs> on the free basketball podcast. Cody, anything to plug before we go? Uh, no. All of a sudden, <laughs> silent. <laughs> I don't know what just happened to me. I got real confused there for a second. I had something I was going to say. Oh, um, things I want to plug. I want to plug the free basketball podcast. You should listen, like, share, rate, and review um, if you haven't done that already. Also, follow us on Twitter at freebasketball3. And then you can follow me on Twitter at Cody underscore Holsey. Also, if you follow the free basketball Twitter, you don't even have to know what our Twitter handles are. You can just click the links in the bio, bro, and follow us from there. We made it so easy. (laughs) (laughs) Daniel. You can even do it from your grandma's phone. (laughs) You should always do it from your grandma's phone. At night. Sneak in the house. You'll never know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Daniel. You don't need to break and enter. 
it's not breaking <laughs> in your grandma's house. She's gonna let you in. Uh, but yeah, you can uh, you can follow of the night, me. You're gonna get her out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me at Daniel Greer. Uh, for real, we are growing our listening audience. Um, two inches this week. And so, just so you know. We've kind of taken off double, tripled in the this just this month so far. What, what was this? The twentieth. And yes. so um, we thank you for listening, new listeners. Uh, we like to have a good time. Uh, like we've all talked about, follow our Twitter account, but rate review. Um, I th- I think I did one a long time ago. Um, don't let it just be me and a couple other people. Be our friend. Rate review. Uh, but yeah, but uh, no, it's been cool. So new listeners, if you're still listening at this point, um, you probably forgot to push the uh, the pause button or skip to the next podcast. But thanks for <laughs> listening and uh, follow us uh, and join us for the ride. I am at RD Meadows 11. We are part of the Lead Sports Media Group at the Lead SM. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I thought we had a pretty good conversation, gentlemen, and I cannot wait to get back at it in a couple days. So I hope got one you... more thing. Oh, go ahead. It's just a message for AD and LeBron. Do it for Kobe. Do it for Kobe. Twenty-four Mamba forever. They're going to lose Game Three. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Hope everyone enjoys Game Three on Tuesday, and we will be back in a week. Thank you.